All right, here we go. Episode 197 of Living Off the Land. How's everybody doing out there? Uh, my name is Dan. I'm your host and my co-host this evening, uh, as has been the last few weeks in the new era of Living Off the Land, uh, Stephen Stefano. Stephen, how are we doing tonight? Feeling all shiny and new still, you know? It's it's all good. That's going to be all good for me, too, because as I did on my uh, pilot episode of the new era, uh, I opened the beer of the week and then realized that I effed up the intro, so I had to open a second beer. So I'm essentially double fisting the beer of the week right now. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, hope everybody's doing well out there. Hope everybody got through the uh, snowstorm landing that we talked about last week. We'll get into that a little bit. That's a topic I literally just thought of that we can talk about. Uh, but yeah, beer of the week, as I hinted at, is... From Masthead Brewing Company tonight, a beer that I have never had before, and I'm ashamed to have never had this before because I found out that Masthead makes an Italian-style Pilsner. Really? Yes. Much, much to the, much to the same ilk as your Peronis, your Moretti's, any other type of beer that's that's popular, Italian beer that's popular over here. Masthead has their own, and that is the first. Uh, that's the first craft Italian style pilsner I found. Now, Market Garden makes a European uh, pilsner uh, called um, shoot, what's that? I don't remember what it's called. Pin High. That's right. Mm. Um, which we've had on the show, which we really liked. But this is an Italian style pilsner, and with me being Italian, and a topic we're going to talk about later, with the city of Milano, Italy, being red and black after the Derby della Madonnina this past weekend. Uh, I saw this at Max Beverage, shout out Max, and thought it was fitting to do it. So uh, take a uh, listen to a little background music as I uh, sample this beer. Oh, yeah. That is delicious. Tall boys, by the way. It's the wonderful Italian national anthem I'm playing from the Euro 2020 that was played in June in July of 2021, this past summer, because of the pandemic, which uh, Italy won, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that is the Italian national anthem for the Italian-style pilsner called Albaccio uh, from Masthead Brewing Company. And I think I know what Albaccio means, but I'm just going to look it up. Not to go with another Strongsville High School throwback, but does Mr. Baccio drink this beer? Oh, I've, I've, I don't know. Be appropriate if he did. I don't know if that name, that name's, I, I think that name is taboo in uh, Strongsville now. Oh. Mm. But uh, 
Albaccio in Italian means to kiss. So, a little kiss of a beer. And it is delicious. Also the same name of your uh, late puppy dog. Well, your, your oh, yeah, mom, my mom parents' dog. Puppy dog. Yeah, my parents' uh, dog who passed away uh, about, a, about a year ago. Actually, a year ago this week. Mm. Uh, passed away last year. We we put him down because he was having he was getting old and had a lot of health issues. So, but anyway, I'll I'll read the description of the beer right now. Just because you need a mustache to speak Italian doesn't mean you need one to enjoy an Italian style pills. Albaccio is brewed and dry hopped with sapphire and Hallertau Blanc, yielding notes of noble hops with a hint of melon. Enjoy this lager paired with some spicy Arabiata for. Or for any reason at all, spicy arabiata is a uh, is a is a type of pasta sauce. So, <coughs> albacio Italian style pilsner, four point nine percent. I'll just say this: if you like uh, Peroni, you'll probably like this. It's a very cra- it's a very craft craft beer take on a Peroni. Very very good. Uh, Masthead doesn't do anything not good. So, uh, I of course would guide would get this again. And I will get this on tap next time at Masthead if they have it. And I'm going to go ahead and rate this a 7.8 on the beer scale. One sip. So, that is the beer of the week this week. Sure don't want to try, Steve? Me. (laughs) I'm an interior supporter. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well... Anyway, uh, that is the beer of the week. Uh, go get yourself some Albaccio uh, at your local uh, beer store. I got this at Max in Parma on Ridge Road, and uh, definitely go enjoy it. It's very, very good. And that's actually a really good segue because our epi- our, our uh, segment on Better Know a Neighborhood is right down the road from there. hey In fact. Just a couple minutes. Yes. Uh, right across the border from Parma on the south-central Reaches of the city of Cleveland is the old Brooklyn neighborhood, and that is where we are going Brooklyn, to be. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, no sleep till old Brooklyn. So, <laughs> yes. So, old Brooklyn, as the name suggests, is right next to the city of Brooklyn, which is uh, immediately to the to the west of it. Uh, this neighborhood is pretty much bounded by Brook Park Road in the south, Ridge Road in the west. And then the Cuyahoga River in the east, and then the Big Creek uh, Valley in the north. Uh, the Big Creek Valley runs more or less perp- uh, parallel to I seventy one as it goes through, uh, as it goes past West One Thirtieth and uh, Ridge Road. Anyway, this neighborhood is is one that is. It's sort of interesting. It's one of the more old school, you know. Hard-working, labor-type, you know, neighborhoods in mm. Cleveland. Mm-hmm. It's one of the more whiter neighborhoods in uh, in the city, and but but it is one that is experiencing a little bit of a, a gentrification right now. In particular, some young people are starting to move into there. Perhaps uh, some folks that are getting priced out of Tremont and Ohio City uh, are moving just a little bit further away from. Especially the with of all the, city. the new the new apartment complexes being built. Oh yeah, it, this, in, an, in an upcoming episode, we're going to talk a lot about that. Uh, definitely on the near west side of Cleveland, there's a lot of that going on. Uh, Old Brooklyn, by comparison, is much more just straight residential mm-hmm. in terms of uh, sim- well, mostly single-family homes in, within its reaches. 
uh, much like Kim's Corners in that regard, actually. The average home price isn't quite as high as in Old Brooklyn as it is in Kim's Corners, but uh, there's still a lot of good points of interest that you uh, would want to see in this neighborhood. Uh, the biggest one is actually rather obvious, Cleveland Metro Park Zoo, which is along the northwestern portion of the neighborhood. Cleveland Metro Park Zoo is open pretty much all year. Uh, there's also the Cleveland Zoological Society, which uh, if you're really into uh, zoos and animals, you can join. And it's a nominal fee for a year, and you get free entry to the zoo anytime. If you haven't been, if like if you haven't been to the Cleveland Metro Park Zoo, uh, maybe not now because the weather's so you know crappy. But go Green salt February. Go. We have we have a great zoo, great zoo. I mean, you know Columbus Columbus Zoo in Ohio gets a lot of praise. You know, obviously, the ones um, out west, San Diego Zoo, um, get huge um, props and notoriety. But the, the the zoo in the Metro Parks is 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 very good. I've been there in a while, but uh, I know I remember when I was growing up that uh, anytime we went to the zoo, whether it be for school or um, just going with like family or parents, it was always a blast. They they do a really good job of putting the the primo exhibits straight up front. Like when you walk right <laughs> in the gate. Where the, two of the first things you see are the elephants and the giraffes. Mm-hmm. Like that whole African exhibit is like right at the zoo gate. And the only thing that sucks that I that I found out recently is Monkey Island is no longer there. Oh, that's interesting because yeah. uh, or it's yeah, closed. That, that's just off to the um, off to the right when you when you come in. Yep. Uh, like what, the, or or like the food court area or whatever. Yeah, that's yeah, actually that's that was by design. You know, people would would you know get their chow and they would just watch the monkeys across the walkway yep um that's interesting that they would do that yeah um i think that was as of 2019 yeah I, like I'm, i said i haven't been to the zoo in a while but yeah i haven't been there since covid either but uh you know one thing you do find out when you're there you you get your steps in and mm. wh- especially if you are hiking from the bottom from the zoo gate all the way up to the top where the where the primates and, and the aquarium is yeah that is you know, it's funny because Hermes Cleveland actually does uh, a running race at the zoo every year. I think mm-hmm. it's in August, and <laughs> they actually go up all the way up and then all the way back down. And it's like the only 5K I've ever run where I felt like I was done after two miles because <laughs> <laughs> it was such was the severity of the climb in the early going. So yeah, it's really a fun day out. Obviously, you know, if you've ever been there, if you haven't been there, you need to go. Uh, maybe don't go now, but like you know, by the time we get to spring, you'll, you'll probably find a nice day. Other points of interest inside Old Brooklyn neighborhood, um, the B.A. Sweetie Candy Company, which is one of the oldest confectionery companies in Cleveland, perhaps the most uh, noteworthy outside of Mally's, yep. is, loca- is located right along I-480 in the southwest corner of this neighborhood. Uh, they actually have a cute little mini golf there as well mm-hmm. uh, in the warmer season. So it's like you get candy and ice cream and you get mini golf. Like it's a perfect place to bring the kids, mm-hmm. uh, particularly young kids of under, you know, under age eight or so. Uh, and uh, Valentine's day is next week. So, Oh, it's, it's a nice, nice plug there, Dan. You, yeah. That was a good one. <laughs> Not like I have anybody to buy candy for, for Valentine's day, but Hey, if you do, uh, God bless you. Neither do I. My wife hates candy. What? Well, okay, so, yeah, most candies she does not like. She just has this thing about sugar because, like, in Africa, they just don't eat sugar like we do here, and I think in most of the world they don't. But the other thing is that most of the chocolate, oddly enough, this is a little bit of a segue here, but a lot, of, most of the chocolate or the cocoa plants that are grown in the world are grown in West Africa. 
And so she grew up with a certain. I'm just kidding. She grew up with a certain, you know, brand of chocolate that wasn't quite as sugary as, as what we have here. Yeah, not, she's like, like not milk chocolate. Yeah, she's like used to that. So what we have here is different. Like she's dark like, chocolate, she's probably yeah, more used to. It's like the soccer versus football thing. Like she just she doesn't like football because they don't play football in Africa. But like you know, hmm. but but getting back on point, yeah. I mean, this is a perfect place to to stock up. You know, Valentine's Day <laughs> is Monday. You know, it yep. it'd be pretty good. Great. Um, Couple other pe- one other place I really want to highlight is on Broadview Road. Um, let me get the address here. It's at 2155 Broadview Road. Is the Buckland Museum of Witchcraft and Magic. Excuse me? Buckland Museum of Witchcraft and Magic. 4.8 stars on Google. This is a museum. It's like a, I don't know if it's a house or if it's like a little commercial building. It's not like really huge. It's kind of off the way, but... This is a museum of items collected by Raymond Buckland, who started collecting these items in 1966. Hmm. It's a lot of, like, Wiccan, you know, sort of magic that is uh, put on. And there's a lot of figurines. There's a lot of dolls. There's a lot of, uh, you know, stuff that, I don't know, if it was a dark, stormy night, you might not want to be there. But, you know, it's... This this is a place I've actually never never been to. I never heard I, of it. I almost want to go now because nope. it seems as I was researching. It I'll take your like word this for place it. Is just like I don't know why it's not more talked about. Quite frankly, because you know everybody who's left a review on here says it's a, it's a blast. <coughs> so it's because anybody that's probably been there is probably practicing Wiccan. I, maybe they are. <laughs> well, I'm never gonna go there. I could start talking about. Witchcraft and voodoo in West Africa now, too, but I'm not going to segue that way This again. is the All Things Cleveland I, podcast. I know. <laughs> and then, so when it comes to the bar restaurant scene in this area, the, the main corridor, again, we talk about the main corridors in Asia Town, it was along Superior, uh, uh, in Cam's Corners, it was along Lorraine Avenue. Here, it's mostly along Pearl Road, stretching from roughly where it intersects State Road up to the north end of the neighborhood. And right in the, in the midst of it, you, again, you've got Gyro Guys, you've got uh, Gus's old, old Family Restaurant, you've got a couple of other pl- neat places to see. One that I do want to point out is a really highly rated Jamaican restaurant called Erie Jamaican Kitchen. Hmm. This is highly interesting to me because when, when you're in, like if you're in the South or if you're, you're, you're in Florida, you could find good Jamaican or Caribbean cooking pretty much in any part of a city. Mm-hmm. But in the Midwest, generally speaking, to get good Jamaican or Caribbean food, you've got to go to a primarily African-American portion of the city. If you go to the east side of Cleveland, and we haven't talked about most of those neighborhoods yet, but yeah. you'll find those places everywhere. But you won't find them in the more you know, not African-American parts of the city. But the fact that this place is here in Old Brooklyn and is 4.4 rated and almost – Every review I've seen, other than just a couple who said that it was highly overpriced, but I don't, I don't understand that, say that this place is great. It's, it's a nice little hole-in-the-wall place. You can just walk right up to it, actually. It's, it's a distinct, like, greenish-turquoise building, almost mm-hmm. like, you know, just slightly darker than the Jamaican flag, so it's impossible to miss from the road. Uh, it is at 4162 Pearl Road. They make an amazing jerk chicken. They make great plantains. They make... Um, a whole bunch of seafood dishes as well. Shout out to our uh, episode last week when we talked about the uh, Winter Olympics and uh, the movie Cool Runnings. Yeah, indeed. And the Jamaican bobsled team. 
You know, this this is this it is it all they, ties this, in, people. This is what they fuel themselves with. So they can go down the bobsled run. You know, oh, they're feeling the rhythm over yeah. at uh, Erie Jerk Chicken or, or Jamaican yep. restaurant, whatever. What all is it in? called? Erie Jamaican Kitchen. Erie Jamaican Kitchen. Sorry. Yes, I should so, probably know how to say that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I would like. I would. I I definitely go we check should that check, out. We should check this place out. I'm, I'm not. Right. I'm not for going to the Wiccan place, but <laughs> I'll, I'll check out some jerk chicken. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, that in the nutshell is, you know, just a rundown of what you might find in Old Brooklyn. It's, uh, again, an old older school, you know, mostly. I don't know if this is Old Brooklyn or if this is technically Cleveland. Um, well, Old Brooklyn's still part of Cleveland. Well, well, like Ridge and Denison, is that still Old Brooklyn? Yeah, uh, yes. That's like the northwest <coughs> corner of the neighborhood. So there is a old school German uh, uh, hall called Saxonheim. Uh, right off the corner of Ridge and Denison, and they have uh, it's 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 real divey, like real dive bar. Like I I love the place. Used to go all the time uh, when I lived at my old spot, uh, but it's not like somewhere where I would like go like take a date or something. It's like a real dive spot. You go with your buddies, and they have really good food spe- specials and stuff like that. Looks like is that in the plaza where you have the Dave's Market? And it's yeah, it's like- just a it's it's not the actual plaza. But it is. It's right. It's right. Okay. Um, yeah. That's so. that's yeah. It's kind of that area you're talking about is kind of near an intersection of a bunch of neighborhoods. West Boulevard, Cadell is just to the west of there. <laughs> cheap to, beer. Just to the north of there is Detroit Shoreway. Cheap beer. They have some le- like legit German style beers. Uh, really, like, like if you look at their menu and you look at the prices, you would think, oh, that's that's kind of yeah. But the food is actually really good there, really good. Okay. And like I said, it's very unassuming. It's a big brick building, and you go in there, and you go into the bar, and, and you're thinking, boy, this place looks interesting. <laughs> but cheap beer, cheap, really good food, you can't beat that. And they have one of the best wing nights in the city. So that's a place that I definitely wanted to uh, showcase, Saxonheim. Okay. Yeah, that that intersection, Ridge and Denison, is, it's, again, right at an intersection like Old Brooklyn to the south, Clark Fulton to the east. Uh, Detroit Shoreway to the north, so I mean yeah. it's it could be really mentionable in any of those places. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. So is that it? Yep that that does that. That is better know a neighborhood. Thanks, that, Steve. Old Brooklyn neighborhood style. Number three, and let's put it on the board. Put it on the board. Yes. yes! <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, let's transition into we've got a top five draft to do. And draft is a loose term now. It's just it's just the two of us. But um, we are going to talk about our favorite Super Bowl prop bets. Now, right. it's Super Bowl week. Super Bowl is on Sunday. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are in the game, which whatever. Um, <laughs> but there is it, it's it's always and you know we're getting to the point where. Sports betting is becoming legal in a multitude of states, and it's the bill is signed in Ohio. It's going to become legal in Ohio. We just don't know when. It's not yet, so we can't legally put money on this stuff. But we're going to go through a list and talk about our top five uh, prop bets. And when you when like prop bet, when you're talking about prop bet, you're talking about something that's like not indicative of the game so like people sports bet they bet the line of the game like i think uh last time i saw it 
the Bengals were plus four and a half for the Super Bowl. Okay. So that's like you're betting on who's going to win the game, who's going to cover that sort of stuff. Prop bets are things that happen inside of the game that really, I think, pull people in that really, like, if you if you, if you you host a Super Bowl party, half of the people that come to your Super Bowl party don't even care about the game. You know, they're there for the food, they're there for the commercials, they're there for the halftime show. This is, I feel like, this is a kind of a way to get people who don't necessarily care about football, don't care about the game, to get them to care about the game by... Having them bet or on stuff that look for stuff that seeming, happens inside the game, seemingly in sell, ancillary to the game, and root but, for something. Yeah, no, yeah. maybe maybe something that might not like determine the outcome of the game, but something fun to root for as the game's going on. You know, like for for instance, uh, like one of the prop bets is the last team to score, something like that. You know, the mm-hmm. game could be forty-two to ten, and the game's already in hand, but you're rooting hard for, for somebody to get that backdoor touchdown. Either whoever you bet, the Rams or the Bengals, to get that last score of the game, whether it be a field goal or a touchdown. So stuff like that. Um, so we're going to go through and we're going to alternate our uh, favorite. Steve, I think you – did you go first last week? I did. Okay, so I guess I will go first this week. Now there's, there's strategy in these drafts because – we used to do top fives where people would there would be there would be overlap to where like in your top five you'd have the same thing as somebody else. We're not doing that anymore. Once something's off the list, it's off the list. You can't draft it. So I'm gonna go with my number one pick. I'm gonna go with the color of the Gatorade bath. Ooh. You know, the the if you're not familiar and you're not familiar with football and the Super Bowl, or whatever. The coach of the winning team almost always, and now because it's a prop bet, it's tradition, always gets a tub of Gatorade uh, spilled on him by his his players. And people bet to see what color is it going to be. Is it going to be orange? Is it going to be you know blue? Or my personal favorite Gatorade, uh, Riptide Rush. Hmm. Is it going to be Fruit Punch? Red? Is it you know? Is it going to be Lemon Lime? You know, who knows? It's all, it always seems to be a different color. So that's my favorite one. Steve? Uh, I'm going to go with an old reliable here. Uh, what happens right at the beginning of every game? Aha! See? I, <clears throat> the coin toss. Yes. Yep. Heads what or tails. Will the, what will the coin toss be? Heads or that's, tails? That's probably the best probability of you to win is 50-50. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, because yeah. everything will be slanted at least a little bit against you other than that. So, <laughs> yeah. So here's mine, and we can, uh, with these results, we can talk about whether we think this is going to be over or under. I don't know who's singing the national anthem, but my next one is the length of the national anthem. Oh, over oh. 95, over under 95 seconds. Ooh, that's a tough over. That's a little over a minute and a half. Yeah. Now I think national anthems are usually aren't I think they're usually around they're usually somewhat shorter than that I think you think not by a lot of, but I was thinking a minute and a half to two minutes I, I guess I'm wrong mm. well I, I was thinking more like a minute and fifteen it's about but, two and a half minutes if Fergie's singing it well, remember uh, her singing that in the in the NBA finals 
<laughs> you know, in the 2018 <laughs> SB monologue, Danica Patrick th- was getting all serious at one point. She's like, it's, t- it's time to talk about the national anthem controversy. You know, with the, where she was leading him on to think that it was the whole kneeling thing. Mm-hmm. But then they show the picture of Fergie, and she's like, yeah, I don't know what Fergie was thinking either. <laughs> that was so bad. All right. Your second your second bet? Yeah, so my second bet, this this is actually a highly appropriate well, this one actually is one that could have an impact on the game. Over under number of missed kicks. Oh, okay. Interesting. Which so at la- to... which at last check was was one and a half. Now, the Bengals kicker, who's a rookie, has been absolutely money in this playoffs. The Rams kicker missed a 43-yard field goal in the divisional round of the uh, NFC playoffs. So, I, one and a half. Oh, boy. Do extra points kick is yeah. count? Yeah, kick extra points or field goals. One and a half. I would be I would be thinking at least two, so I'd be thinking the over on this one. Boy. If it's the over, I think the Bengals are gonna win the Super Bowl because I don't think the Bengals kicker is gonna miss any kicks. Ooh. So if it's if it's over and it's two, that means that the Rams kicker misses two kicks. Now that could be two extra points, and it's only two points, so maybe that doesn't impact the game. But usually if your kicker misses multiple kicks, it's tough for you to win that game. Uh, Especially if the game is close, <laughs> right? No, if if it's close, I mean we've seen that so many times. Not even just with the Browns, but with other teams mm-hmm. this year. You know, it's a close game. You you miss a field goal or two, you're in big trouble. Here's one that's uh, that was interesting to me. This is my my uh, third pick. Uh, the position of the MVP. Oh, now this is this is. Uh, broken down into QB or other. So basically, ah. the MVP is going to be one of the quarterbacks or you're going to take the field. Okay. Now, generally, the MVP is the quarterback. But we have seen in in recent Super Bowls that that has not been the case. Uh, oh, Julian Edelman won the MVP with, for, the, for the Patriots uh, against the Rams, I think, in 2018. Yeah. Uh, Von Miller won the MVP. For uh, the Broncos, when they won, they beat the Panthers, and that was Super Bowl Fifty, I believe. Yes. So it has happened, um, but predominantly, it's usually the quarterback. So what would you, what would you bet? Would you bet the quarter? Would you bet that either Matt Stafford or Joe Burrow is going to win the MVP of the Super Bowl, or are you going to take the field? In this game, I would take the field, just because there are so <laughs> many guys that that could conceivably do it you know guy, guys like von miller guys like jaron Don- ramsey aaron donald, aaron donald. Uh, uh on the Bengals side jamar chase yep um that's even, probably... joe, even joe mixon yeah i mean now i'll say this everybody loves to crown joe burrow and i get it he's he's fantastic he's one of the main reasons why they're in the super bowl he's not the reason the bengals are in the super bowl no. he's not the reason why that they beat the chiefs in the afc championship game it was their defense. The problem is, is the Bengals do not have a dominant defensive player, especially like the Rams have with Von Miller or Aaron Donald. Trey Hendrickson has been incredible for them, uh, but I, I mean, you, you'd have to give me insane odds for Trey Hendrickson to win the MVP of the Super Bowl. Hmm. 
Like if a defensive player wins a Super Bowl, it's a guy that's created a turnover or scored a scored like on like defense. like yeah, like Von Miller did in the uh, in the Super Bowl where he strip sacked uh, Cam Newton, ran in for a touchdown. Mm. Like that that you do that unless Joe Bur- play of the game. Yeah, you do yeah. that, and unless Matt Stafford throws for 500 yards, you're going to win the Super Bowl. Like if Von Miller strip sacks Joe Burrow and takes it in for a touchdown, and the Rams win, he's going to win the MVP. So or the, Aaron Donald does it. So history going back. 15 years ago to Super Bowl 41, history is, if you're picking QB, history is on your side. 11 of the last 15 Super Bowls have been, MVPs have been a quarterback. Who were the other two that I didn't say? So, as you said, said, Julian Edelman. Von Miller. Von Miller. Malcolm Smith of the Seattle Seahawks. Yep. Linebacker. Yeah. Linebacker. Who, Mm -hmm. by the way, plays for the Browns. Not not, not well, but. And this one I actually think is a little bit undeserved, but um, (laughs) Santonio Holmes. Ugh. And I only say that because I think they should have given that award to James Harrison. Ugh. I don't care who you gave the award to in that game. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna ugh. I mean the ideal scenario would have been to have the Cardinals win and give it to Larry Fitzgerald, but you know. Oh god. Oh god. Okay, enough about right, anyway. that. <laughs> Good lord. All right, what's your third pick? Oh, yes. So third pick, I'm I'm going right back to it here. Uh, you know how in some games the the Chiefs and the Bills uh, most notably um, their punter need not have even gotten off the bus. Mm-hmm. Total number of punts in the game. Interesting. What's that over? That under over at? under is six and a half. Oh boy! I'd be going. Well, you know what? I'm under on that. Yeah, I'd go under on that one too. Yeah, I mean, I could see five, six. I don't think it'll be some ridiculously low number, but six or six and a half. Six and a half. Yeah, I'm under. under. I could see I could see six. I could see three apiece. I could see four for one, two for the other. You're gonna see a lot of going for it on fourth down. Oh, I completely think in agree. This game, if if it even comes to that. Okay. So yeah. Uh. Let's see. Here's an interesting one. This is my fourth pick. Outcome of the first coach's challenge. Ooh. So this, it doesn't matter who does it. Uh, it just matters who who does the first challenge and whether the play stands or the call is overturned. So, yeah, I think that's interesting, especially with the emphasis that everybody's given on the officiating uh, the last couple years. And... We know that Sean McVay is not shy when when doing coaches challenges. Uh no. Not at all. So that's my fourth pick. So outcome of the game's first challenge. Yep. Choice. Okay. So two of my original five had been taken, so I'm going a little bit further off the board here, but I do kind of like this one here also. <coughs> Will there be a two point conversion attempt in the game. Oh God. I think that's that's about that's like what I wonder what the odds on that are. It has yes plus one hundred and no minus one twenty. I'd go all day on how is yes an underdog? Yes is the underdog. How? I both of these teams could go for two on the first touchdown of the game. <laughs> okay, Chip Kelly. Well, <laughs> I mean, these these are two of the most forward-thinking. Uh, well, I, I don't think Zach Taylor's a good coach, but for I, I'll, I'll go with forward-thinking. 
But he does come from the, he does come from the Sean McVay uh, coaching tree. He was the uh, Rams offensive coordinator the last time they they went to the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, I think that I'd, I would put I'd be willing to put a decent if this was if, I would be willing to put a decent amount of cash on yes plus one hundred on uh, that's attempt or successful two point conversion. Will there be an attempt in the game? Oh my God! Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I guess I'm not quite as sure as you are. on Really? That yeah. That's interesting. I mean, I, I think it's almost impossible that there will be one in the first half, and I think it's just going to be a matter of is, – is See, score, I wouldn't put it back. Is listen. the score in such a way like, you know, do we get a touchdown when the team's down by 11 or, you know, down by 8? Even, you know, even, like even if uh, – or my personal favorite, when you're down by 15 and then go for two I think if down I, by see, nine. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> hashtag analytics. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> hashtag a-hole. I mean, I would – if you're – if you're – I just – I could see the Rams scoring the first touchdown of the game and going for two. Oh, that would be hilarious if they I really did that. could. <laughs> I really could. I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe not, but their their kicker did 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 leave a forty three yard field goal short in the playoffs. That's got to be in the back of Sean McMay's McMay's vine. I know that the uh, and I, I I've had I've had a couple of these albachios. So if my words start start uh, combining together, that's the reason why. Um, that's got to be in the back of Sean McMay's Sean. Good lord, Sean McVay's mind. Uh when going for these extra points. Now, I don't know how good their kicker, uh, Matt Gay, has been in the in the regular season, but I just can't get that out of my mind. How are you an NFL kicker and leave a 43-yard field goal short? In, I, yeah, I don't understand In that. literal perfect weather conditions in Tampa Bay. Yeah. That field was immaculate. The weather was perfect. How do you do that? I don't get it. So, for me, that's in the back of my mind if I'm Sean McVay. But I get it. All uh, right, so that was your fourth? That's four, yep. All right, so my last pick. Let's make it a good one. Uh, Let's see. Oh, here's a good one. Here's an interesting one. Okay. Total players to attempt a pass. Mm. Now, this mm. could go a few different ways. If either of the quarterbacks are knocked out during the game due to injury or horrendous play, or, and I'll say this because of uh, experience that this guy had with the Browns, and this is the only reason why I'm mentioning this. I don't want to get into the whole, if OBJ wins the Super Bowl, what's it going to be like for Browns fans? I could very well see the Rams running a trick play where Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't end around and then throws a pass. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it I can happen. Mo- it that. can happen multiple ways. Either one of the quarterbacks gets injured, which I'm not rooting for because you don't ever no, want to see. No, him get you injured. definitely don't want to see that in this situation no. of all. But let's say one of the quarterbacks throws like four picks in the first half. A change is being made at halftime. Oh yeah. So and that goes for Stafford or Burrow. I'm not like hating and thinking Joe Burrow is going to throw four picks in the first half. It's not what I'm. I'm just you know out of the clouds. You know that's that's got a negative eight percent chance of happening, but. I definitely could see a trick play in the Super Bowl. I mean, I, I just talked about how Zach Taylor and came from the Sean McVay tree. 
These guys know each other inside and out. You know that one of these coaches is going to try and pull something during this game. Something of a trick play. Now, if that results in somebody other than the quarterback throwing a pass, I don't know. Might not be. It might be a flea flicker or something like that. But I definitely do think that if it does happen, it would be the Rams who would do it. I'm assuming the over-under on this is two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all on the over on this one. I am too. If you think about it, some of the truly iconic plays in Super Bowl history have been these (sighs) – Trick plays for yes. somebody other than the quarterback. Not the to bring up the effing about, Steelers again. Yep, I was going to go there. You were there. Yep. You were at that game. That was Super the decisive Bowl. play of the game. It was 14 Super to 10. Super Bowl 35? Uh, uh, Super Bowl 40. 40, sorry. And against the Seahawks. And the the Steelers did the wide receiver reverse pass. Heinz Ward to Antoine Randall for yes. the, what ended up being the decisive touchdown. Funny story about that game. I watched that game in a frat house that I had. Uh, uh, committed to joining and b- backed out because they didn't set up my housing the next year. So I basically said F them and was out. Oh, man. Frickin' Kappa Alpha order. Oh, oh them. <laughs> That's a blast from the past. <laughs> Where's the – hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Stalling. They almost couldn't give – you know, this Super Bowl Forty might have been the one game that I could ever actually go to because they couldn't – they almost like couldn't give away tickets for that game, <laughs> if you can believe it. It was almost all Steelers fans that just drove on the turnpike to and from Detroit. There were like ten Seattle fans at the whole game. Hey, hey, KA at BG. Hashtag a hole. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, that's for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable to think that you know, that that's and, and we didn't. That's, e- that's over fifteen years ago. And we didn't even think of a more recent <laughs> recent example: the Philly special. The touchdown oh, yeah. from Trey Burton to Nick Foles. Absolutely. Put the Eagles up by 12 at halftime against the Patriots. So it, it could be something like that. It could be a quarterback getting injured and a backup coming in, or it could be a trick play. I, I guarantee there's going to be a trick play in this game. I don't think, I don't know if it's going to be a non quarterback throwing a pass. There's going to be trick plays in this game. I almost guarantee it. Mm-hmm. So that's my fifth pick. So my fifth and final pick. This is this is sort of a cheeky one also. What will be the over under two and a half yards shortest touchdown scored in the game? Basically, will there be a touchdown scored from one or two yards out or not? Yeah, I think so. I definitely think there's going I mean Obviously I don't know the stats on this, but what do you think the probability in just even this season what the percentage is on games that have had goal line touchdowns i'm guessing that uh, it's probably happened in at least two-thirds to three-quarters of the games i think we've seen it i have to rack my brain and would have to look up the stats on this and this is just me flying off the seat of my pants i think there's been one at least one in almost every single playoff game um there's no way of yeah. me knowing that unless going back but i'm, I'm trying to think there that certainly was one at least one in the bucks rams game maybe not in the um, packers 49ers perhaps. no because it was not a there, there were only two touchdowns game. scored and one was on special teams um <laughs> trying to think was there any in the afc or nfc championship games i can't remember oh anyway 
it's a lot more prevalent than I think uh, people – well, I don't even know if I, – I, I would think that a lot of people would agree with me that there's a lot. But, again, that's just me Yeah, I'd, flying I'd, off the seat of my pants. I'd be going with the uh, – with that happening or the under on that one. Yeah. Oh, you're going the under. Well, okay. You don't think there's going to – Wait, what's if, if it's if it's over under point five touch yeah okay I what is that. it I said that wrong it's over under point five touchdowns from inside so if one happens yeah so if one happens you win the bet so and you're going under no I'm going over okay there will be at least one yeah I got so is it attempt or they have to they the, have to score okay yeah I'm still gonna go over on this I think there's going to be one yeah there's got to be at least one I mean how many times do we see guys get like like, you know, they're in the red zone, and even a pass play or run play, guys get stopped like the two yard, like the one or the two yard line. Either that or like pass interference in the end zone sets them up. At that the too. One. That's even another thing. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go over. Yeah, I gotta think there's gonna be at least one. But uh, all right, that was cool. I love prop bets, man. Why can't sports betting be legal in Ohio right now? Interesting thought, side thought at the end of this discussion. What is, what is your favorite play in Super Bowl history? Oh, my God. Doesn't involve the Browns. Sorry. Obviously. Thanks a lot, Steve. <laughs> Jeez. Just give me the buzzer right now. Yeah, I, hold on. I'm looking for it. <laughs> Jeez. Unbelievable. Gosh. Hashtag a-hole. Yeah. That one's, get, that one's getting some run today. Well-deserved. Jeez. Uh, I don't even remember what the – okay, so favorite play in Super Bowl history. Wow. I don't know a specific play, but it's definitely a play from I don't know what Super Bowl it was, but when the Packers beat the Steelers because because you know what it meant? It meant oh probably it was the, probably Clay, the throw Clay, up the middle dude. No, no, no. Oh, no. Clay Matthews uh recovering the fumble from Richard Mendenhall in that game which which completely flipped that game. The Steelers were getting a lot of momentum in that game and that play uh essentially changed everything. Mm. Where are you? Where are you? You're in there. I mentioned the Steelers. You're in there somewhere. Come on. Good morning. Good afternoon. And good night, Pittsburgh. <laughs> you, you want to? <laughs> so, so you, this is a blast from the past. So the Steelers hired a uh, wide receivers coach today. Mm-hmm. Any guesses? On, he's a former Brown. Any guesses on who he was or who he is? What's Josh, his name? Josh Cribbs. God, no. You think Josh Cribbs will go work for the Steelers? Uh, Josh Cribbs is a true Brown. I don't think you're ever going to guess this. It's from it's from the post ninety nine era. It's from the the new Browns era. Morgan. Nope. Uh, I'll give you one more guess. Braylon Edwards. Nope. Mm-hmm. Remember the name Frisman Jackson? Yes. Good morning. Good afternoon. And good night, Pittsburgh. Remember how much that guy was ass. Yeah. He almost never <laughs> he's played. Now, he's now the Steelers wide receivers coach. So, anyway, uh, 
So yeah, Clay Matthews' recovery of fumble from the I don't Jarvin think he. Re- I don't think he returned that for a touchdown, but your, it resulted your in top play. It resulted in it helped result in the Steelers losing a Super Bowl, which is fantastic. Yes. You. So you'd figure that you know, given my affinity for the Eagles, that I would either go with the Philly special or perhaps Brandon Graham's strip sack on Tom Brady, which I, I think mean, was I actually mean, the biggest play of that game. I mean, would anybody really would anybody really be willing to debate the Philly special? But. There's also one other thing you got to know about me, and that's that I really hate New England uh, and Tom Brady for the most part. Oh, are you, so, go, are you going the, so, the helmet catch? Ah, uh, you know what? That's what you might th- David Tyree's helmet catch in Super Bowl 42, which ultimately set up uh, the Giants winning touchdown. That was a, That's a great guess. It's actually not that game. It's not from that, that game, but it was from another game that involved these two teams. Super Bowl 46, opening drive of the game, I think it was, or maybe it was the second drive, Patriots got backed up way in their own territory. Tom Brady threw a deep ball to nobody. And it was intentional grounding in the, in end, the end zone, zone safety. for a safety. Which <laughs> 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 put the Giants up 2 to nothing. Or how is You're not thinking is all that significant, but like it just like kind of set the tone for the game and the Patriots never really got going. I'll tell you what, <laughs> going off your hate for the Steelers, I mean, how no, actually, that's the exact opposite. Never mind. I've I've had a little too much of this El Baccio because I was about to bring up the fact that the the Seahawks didn't run the ball on the goal line to Marshawn Lynch and the, and Russell Wilson threw that freaking interception which gave the the Patriots a Super that's Bowl. That's definitely a not top five moment. Yeah, but, but here's but here's the thing: a lot of people forget about this play. That play happened. That was second down. On first down, they did run out the middle and they got stuffed. I don't care. So like, and you know how much I dislike running up the middle in one yard to go situation listen i understand that but it was marshawn lynch he was in full beast mode uh part of his career you really think that the that the patriots are not going to stop him about four times listen maybe maybe not give him four times but at least give him second down and then throw it on third down if he didn't get it Mm. you're really going to give marshawn lynch when he was in full beast mode only one crack at getting the game-winning touchdown there on the goal line i mean talk about our goal line discussion does seem pretty harsh Oh, it was, the, it was it was the worst play call in Super Bowl history, bar none. I mean, there's not one you can think of that's worse. Mm. Absolutely not. You can't. Given the situation, to where if you score if you score that touch, you're on the one yard line, a second down and goal at the one. You score that touchdown, you win the freaking Super Bowl. This isn't like this is like a like a goal line situation in the second in the second quarter. This was you score that touchdown, you win. You have arguably that season, if not one of the best running back in the league. The guy's nickname was Beast Mode. You give him the ball. Was that in totality a worse play than Cam Newton getting stripped and then failing to jump on the football? Wow, that I mean that 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 comes back, like that's not play call. That's just Cam Newton being a <laughs> puss <laughs> and not being willing to jump on the ball. Which I mean that play ultimately cost the Panthers a game cuz Yeah. They were down seven at the time, and they. What was the, set, fi- the final score of that, that game? Was like fifteen 20, to ten. Twenty-four to ten. Oh, I think. I, I mean, think, was it at that point? It was fifteen to ten. Yeah. Uh, yes, it was. I believe, or fourteen to fifteen. I don't remember the exact score, but that would ultimately it set Denver up inside the the Panthers twenty, and they cashed in. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, anyway. Uh. Well, that was. Uh, let's see. Hold on. I got uh one of the re- one of the other reasons why I got this beer this week was uh, because 
Uh, shout out to Ariana Fontana, who won Italy's first gold in short track skating and women's 500 meter and the 10th Olympic medal to tie Stefania Belmondo as the most decorated Italian female Olympian in history. Wow. So shout out to Ariana Fontana. And this Albaccio is for you. She's probably a Milanista, too. Oh, God. Let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Ale, 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 Milan, ale, forza lotta, vincerai, no ti lasceremo mai. The Derby della Madonnina was this past weekend. I know none of you probably care about this, but I do. It's my favorite soccer team. And AC Milan kept their Scudetto hopes alive by beating, as Steve so eloquently calls them, Internazionale, mm-hmm. Inter Milan, 2-1 to one in the Derby della Madonnina. My opinion, the greatest derby in the entire world. I don't care about you Londoners. I don't care about... Uh, 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 Real Madrid, Barcelona, whatever they call that thing, uh, whatever the hell you, <laughs> f you, but that this is the best derby in the entire world. The derby, the Milan Derby, it's called the Derby della Madonnina because of the Madonnina statue that, uh, the statue of Mary that's on top of the Duomo that's in Milan, the uh, cathedral in Milan, and uh, yeah. So Milan takes the Derby there, now one point out of first place uh, in the Scudetto. Syria Oz getting very spicy. You got three teams all within. It's the best point. title. It's the best title race in the world right now. I mean, I, everybody talks about how the English Premier League is the best league in the world. <laughs> There's not a lot to see there, honestly. <laughs> Man City is 14 points above Liverpool or something like that. Like Man City is going to run away. The the. The, the Prem is already decided. Nobody cares. There are three teams within one point at the top of Serie A. Inter, Milan, Napoli. It, it, and the biggest reason why, like, the biggest, the most important thing about Milan winning this past weekend, Inter and Napoli, the teams that are sandwiched in between Milan, excuse me, teams that are sandwiched in between Milan, played this weekend. Yeah. So depending Which on means how Inter has got to play two, the, their toughest games right back to back. If play if, Milan, if, then they have to play Napoli. If Inter and Napoli draw, which I hope they do, that means each each team gets one point, and Milan uh, wins, which which they ought to, they should. Although I, I do wor- I do I do worry about a letdown after that uh, Derby de Madonnina. It's one of these situations where you find out the real character of a team. You know, when you when you play your big rival, you get a huge okay, so, win. So Milan actually plays Sampdoria Next on game, Sunday. Uh, Sampdoria? Okay, Sampdoria six thirty a.m. Boy, I'm waking up early on Sunday to watch that game. Oh, geez, and they have a short turnaround. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but the Inter-Napoli game is on Saturday. So if they draw, Milan beats Sampdoria. AC Milan is at the top of the table in Serie A. And that might not be shocking to a lot of people because AC Milan historically is one of the best soccer clubs in the world. But over the last decade has been probably the toughest era to be an AC Milan fan. They call it the banter era. AC Milan has not won a trophy since 2016, and and it was the Supercoppa Italiana, which is like you got obviously Champions League top of the top, Scudetto, 
Coppa Italia, Super Coppa Italiana. Yeah. Which the this is the Italian equivalent of the FA Community Shield. Yes. The 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 league winner and then the team that wins the Coppa Italia the previous year play each other. Mm-hmm. Now, when when I believe league... Juventus did the double the previous year. Exactly. So Milan so by next... virtue of finishing second yes. got in. Yeah. <clears throat> so Milan was in the final of the Coppa Italia that year that year previous and they lost uh to Juve. So, and then Juve played uh Milan in that Supercoppa Italiana. Milan won on penalties. Blah, blah, blah. Milan hasn't won anything since 2016. And before that, Milan hadn't won anything since the Scudetto in, two, in the 2011 season. So, it's been a long time since Milan has had something to really grab hold on. And last year, they were winter champions, which means uh, they were first place in Serie A uh, up until the Christmas break. And then enter by virtue of getting knocked out of the Champions League. They had one league to focus on the rest of the season. They steamrolled the competition. They won the Scudetto last year. But especially with Milan winning the Scudetto or win, or beating Inter in the Derby della Madonnina, uh, Milan is in a good uh, run of form right now. They are looking good. And uh, they have a really good shot at winning Scudetto, which would be absolutely incredible. Not only would that be now the second year in the row that they qualify for Champions League, which helps them out so much financially, as far as catching up to these other clubs in world football to be able to buy players and you know supplement your roster and stuff like that, uh, it just brings them back to prominence and where they where they deserve to be. You know, if you started following soccer the last ten years and you think AC Milan, they're like, well, I haven't seen them in Champions League. Ding, in that's pretty much me because that's around the time I actually started paying attention to club right. football. But the actual fact of the matter is. There's not five clubs in this world that are bigger than AC Milan. Not five. Off the top of my head, I can only think of one that's clear. And that, that would be, be that being Real Madrid. Well, yeah, yeah. Just going by Champions League, more Champions trophies. Leagues, and I don't know, probably. And 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 Madrid only has that because they won what five in the in the Ronaldo era. I, well, yeah, they and actually going back they won the majority of their titles like way back at the beginning like in the yeah. 60s and then that other era in the 2000 yeah and 2000 times so yeah i mean that's that's probably it i mean that uh, as you saw in our text conversations mike and i got into a very spirited debate about uh what's more important uh, winning your league title or winning the champions league and how you weight those two different trophies yeah Really, it depends on who you ask because obviously, Mike being a Juve fan, Juventus, they have they won nine Scudetto in a row in the past in the last decade. The only problem is they went to the they went to the UEFA Champions League final twice and lost both times, and they didn't win a Champions League in that in that time. Yep. So Mike weighs the Scudetto more than I do because Milan. While they haven't won a a Champions League or a Scudetto in the last eleven years, Milan has the second most Champions League trophies of anybody outside of you just mentioned Real Madrid. Real Madrid. Liverpool is the next one with six. Juve has two Champions League trophies, mm. and they have over thirty Scudetto Scudetti. So obviously, Mike is going to weigh the Scudetto a lot higher because it makes his club seem more prestigious. Right. Milan has eighteen, I believe, Scudetti. And seven Champions League. So, obviously, me being a Milanisti, 
our DNA is Europe, playing in Europe against the top teams. That's why I weigh the Champions League higher because you're playing against the top teams of every league. It's just, you know, and we I get— I think I fell more on your—being the unbiased observer, I fell more on your side on this because ultimately you have four or maybe five leagues that realistically yeah. the Champions League winner will come from, that right. being England, Spain— uh, Germany, Italy, and maybe France. One of the things I didn't I didn't explain to so my brother. I figure if you're a top you're the top player, your top team in one of those leagues, you could reasonably expect to win the Champions League about once every four or five years. Yeah. So that's why I said about four or five domestic titles about is about equivalent to a Champions League. Sorry, Agreed. I to cut you off. No, I completely agree, and I I would actually think. You know, and this is, I, I don't mean, you know, I want to get my brothers on, on a podcast and I'm formulating ideas and I'm talking with them to where it would make sense. I would think if, if you're Mike and you're a Juve fan, you would weigh the Champions League trophy more because you haven't won it. Oh, absolutely you would. Well, he I mean, doesn't. Yeah, I, that's, yeah, I don't get it. Because if I was a Juventus fan, but I would be saying I, that sin myself. We haven't won this one. This is the one we really want. At, like, the, sa- at the same token... It's weird because you would think that me, my club, hasn't won the Scudetto in 11 years. You would think that, and and the only two teams who have won the Scudetto are my two biggest rivals. Juventus and Internazionale. Juventus nine times in a row, and then Inter this past year. You would think that I would want the, and I do, but I, I also think that because of the competition and the difficulty that it is to win the trophy, it's way more difficult to win, to it, it the, winning a Champions League should count way more than winning a league title. And ask ask Man City what they would what they would uh, what they would rather have. Yeah, you know what? I was just going to bring them up. There were two <laughs> clubs that are absolutely in Juventus' situation, and I guarantee you, if you ask their fans, they would want a Champions League more than anything else in the whole world. Manchester City is one, and Paris Saint-Germain is the other. Oh, yeah, that's the other. I mean, they, uh, PSG is essentially Juve in France. Bo- both of them have reached the Champions League final within the last couple of years. And but they can't win it. In. They you can't know, win it. And they just dominate the only Because there's only a few clubs that, you know, the, the, the thing that's talked about is clubs that have that, quote, DNA to win in Europe. There's only a few clubs that have that. And that's your Real Madrid's. That's your... You know, Bayern when we, Munich. When we Bayern Munich. When we get back to the top, as we seem to be doing, that's your AC Milan's. You know, th- those are the clubs that when they get there, you know, Milan got knocked out in the group stage this year. But it, f that they were. Th- look at the group they were put in. Oh, that was a crazy group: Porto, yeah. Liverpool, and um, and Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid. I mean, come on. And you could argue that Milan got screwed in that group, but anyway. Eh. So, yeah, I mean, I. Two- to equate this to U.S. sports, I would say the easiest comparison to winning the Serie A or the Segeto or, or any main European league since there's no playoffs, that's basically having the best record in the NBA regular season. Yeah. Winning the Champions League, on the other hand, is more like winning the NCAA basketball tournament. Sure. Because group stage, okay, kind of like the early rounds, first, second round, if you're truly a blue blood, chances are you're not going to get upset in the first couple games. Right. Once you get to like round the 16 and onward, it's you have one bad game, hasta la vista. Yeah, you know it. It's much more unforgiving. You know, yeah. just 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 ask Barcelona. Well, you know, and uh, they he, had a three goal advantage going into Anfield the one uh, the one time, and, and they ended up losing four 0 Yeah, and that, he was supposed to happens. he was supposed to be on the uh, the show tonight, Brett Hoyer. Um, 
uh, wasn't able to make it. Uh, we'll, we'll figure out something uh, for him to be on again. Uh, but I asked him the same question, and he said, you know, I said, how many Premier League championship? He's a Chelsea fan, right? Mm-hmm. How many and, – and his team – Defending European his, his team in the last – when was the last time Chelsea won the, the Prem? Uh, probably under – well, under Antonio Conte, I think 2017 20... or 18. So, so, in the last, so in the last five years, they've won both. Yes. So I think he's a great he's a great test to this. Like what so so I asked him I said what do you what do you value? So give me the equation. One Champions League is equal to how many Premier League championships because his team has won both in the last 5 years. He has the experience of knowing what the gravity of that means. And to everybody out there, ever most people are like oh the Premier League is the greatest league in the world it's the best blah 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 i disagree but whatever that's 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 neither here nor there but i will say commercially the premier league is the the biggest league like i'm not going to i the competition i think we could argue how good the competition is in league league but anyway i asked him one champions league is equal to how many premier league like if you're chelsea he just won the champions league he's won premier league trophy in the last 5 years he said at least 3 he said at least one Champions League trophy is worth at least three Premier League trophies. And to most people... Which I think is fair to say. That's not far off from what I No, and, and, and to most people, like I just mentioned, the Premier League weighs more... Winning the Premier League weighs more than a lot of these other domestic leagues. Like, like, like people would... You take, the, you take the, uh, the winner of the Premier League up against the winner of the Serie A which is usually Juve, but Inter last year, blah, 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 against uh, – so let's just take uh, Inter last year against who won – was it Liverpool? Uh, yeah, wait a minute. Who won your four last was Bayern Munich. No, no, the, the, the Premier League. Who won oh, the Premier League the last Premier League. year? <sighs> Liverpool? No, no. it's Manchester City. Manchester City. So out of Inter, Manchester City, who would say would be the stronger club? Most people would say Manchester City. Uh, yeah. So – a lot, of people, a lot of people weigh winning the Premier League more than winning the Serie A. Well, so I, for, in this particular case, Manchester City has won the Premier League four or five times in the last decade. Inter, right. this is their first go round with the Ski. Right. So, while. so, so even if you were to go, even if you were to go Man City against Juve, who won it nine straight years, pretty much everybody would say Manchester City is a stronger club. That's than, a that's a harder one. I mean, right at the moment, Manchester City is, but I, even right. just to go back a couple of years, I'm not sure I would have said that. Right. But I would say the prevailing sentiment would be that because everybody weighs the Premier League higher or more than other leagues. It's the best league. And, yes. Right. So even like Bayern, Bayern Munich is considered one of the strongest clubs in the world, but people discount Bayern Munich winning the, the, the Bundesliga because the Bundesliga outside of Bayern Munich and uh, Borussia Dortmund is not any good. Yeah. I mean, it's so a drop off between the second team right. and third. Like, you know, third in the Bundesliga is like VFL Wolfsburg or. Right. Bayer Leverkusen. So people, or so so people would say, "Hey, you put Juve won the Serie A nine times. If you take that nine year stretch and you put Juve in the Premier League, they probably only win like three times." Um, so what I'm saying, so what I'm saying is, when Brett says uh, Premier League is worth three, uh, th- uh, Champions League is worth three Premier League trophies, most people would say one Champions League is worth more than three of the Serie A. To sort of cement this point. If you look at the lower half of the leagues, Serie A versus the Premier League, yeah. this, this doesn't always work vis-a-vis, but 
Cagliari right now is in 17th place in yeah in Serie A. So they're they're the team that's just barely hanging on. I believe they're from Sicily. Whereas Newcastle, my team of support, is in 17th in the Premier League. Now, how many? If you were to look back, like Cagliari versus Newcastle, just for example, mm-hmm. how many wins does Newcastle have over Manchester City, Liverpool, Chelsea over the last 10 years? And compare that with how many wins does Cagliari have against the Milan teams, Napoli, Juventus over the last 10 years. I guarantee you Newcastle's got a whole bunch more wins against the yeah. Blue Bloods in England. You just don't see those big upsets you know, right. in, in Italy or Spain or or Germany like you do in England. Yeah. Now, I will say this year, Serie A, uh, Serie A I believe, is the mo- most competitive league in uh, in Europe. This year it is. Because there are three, and then with there's no, the, there's no clear top team. With their January signings, you could argue Juve would be that fourth team vying for the Scudetto this year. I don't think Juve's going to get there, but Eight there's definitely three. With 14 games left, I mean, if they were really to go on a tear, they'd have a shot. Yeah. So the problem is, is they're chasing three teams, not just one or two. Right. So they've already played Milan twice. They drew both yeah. times. I don't know what they have against uh, Inter and uh, Napoli, but whatever. So anyway, this, this conversation, uh, and I'm sure, I'm sure most of the people listening to this podcast have turned it off by now. But this conversation <laughs> has gone way farther than I wanted it to. But I do enjoy talking about soccer. So anyway, nerd, 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 yeah, yeah, nerd. Exactly. Uh, the the topic that I want to end uh, the show on is uh, let's bring it back in here. This is a Cleveland podcast. Come on, Cavs. Gotta make it happen. Come on, Cavs. With your fast break action. Gotta make it happen. Come on, Cavs. coming on. Oh, the Cavaliers. The Cavaliers! Oh, how good is this basketball team, Steve? Well, aside from a random hiccup against Detroit or Houston here or there, yes, they're they're extremely good. 33-21. and this team is one game out of the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. They should have just beaten Detroit and Houston. So oh. bitch. Oh. <laughs> they'd be the one seed. They'd be 35 and 19. They'd be, yeah. they'd be a game ahead of the Miami Heat. I mean, I shouldn't complain. The, the, no, the we're team, not going to. The team is, is doing far and away things that we never thought was possible. And the big news this week the Cavaliers made a trade. Did they now? They made a trade of substance. Hmm. They made a trade of consequence. They made a trade that helped shore up the team's weakness. They made a trade that helped reinforce the team needs. They didn't make a trade for an all-star. They didn't make a trade for a superstar. But they made a trade for a guy that's almost averaging 20 points a game and they basically gave up nothing for him. Kobe Altman is the man. Kobe Altman has gone. He has gone, to be a shoe in the Kobe for executive Altman, of the year. The Kobe Altman last year was a pumpkin. Kobe Altman this year is frickin' Cinderella. I don't know if that's the reference. Is, is, but, the, is the carriage that's carrying Cinderella. Holy and, and, mackerel. And that the Cinderella that is the Cavaliers. Yes. Perfect analogy. Absolutely. Unbelievable. The Cavs trade for Karis LeVert, 6'6 guard from the Indiana Pacers. Averaging 19 points a game, four rebounds, four and a half assists. 
And the Pacers were are in total sell mode. They're nineteen and thirty six. Yeah, they Cavaliers made a, they, they made a, they 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 traded Demonis Sabonis today. Toyed with them for three quarters on Sunday, and then just blew them out of the gym in the fourth quarter. Karis LeVert is shooting forty five percent from the field this year in thirty one minutes. He's shooting thirty two and a half percent from three. Not great, but not not terrible. Um, you know he's not a great defender, but the biggest the Cavs didn't need a great defender at the trade deadline. What they needed was they needed to get bigger in the backcourt. Yes. They needed more scoring in the backcourt. Mm-hmm. They needed or at least somebody that spelled Darius Garland. They needed a guy who could create off the dribble. I love Isaac Okoro, but he, he he's been our starting shooting guard since Colin Sexton got hurt. He can't do that. He can't. No, he can't. He can't create. He's He's great defensively on offense. He stands in the corner, and if he gets a wide-open look for three, he takes it, and he probably misses it. But neither here nor there. I love Isaac Okoro's defense. He's been great for the Cavaliers. Not great if you're the shooting guard. Yeah, exactly. Last night, uh, well into the fourth quarter, uh, he had zero points. But anyway, uh, Karis LeVert, he's a guy that can go get his own bucket. He's a guy that can create for others. Uh, He's a guy he, he can he can handle off the dribble. Uh, little uh, known fact that's actually good for us is he's a former teammate of Jared Allen back in Brooklyn, and those two had great chemistry back in Brooklyn. So hopefully they can reignite that. So now when the Cavs get healthy, that means when Laurie Marketing comes back, the Cavs have the biggest lineup, starting lineup in the NBA. They have three seven-footers a guy that's 6'6", playing shooting guard, and then, obviously, Darius Garland, not the biggest guy in the world, but he's a point guard. Dar- Karis LeVert's not a great defender, but you're judging that on the fact that he was playing with a terrible team in Indiana. Yes. He was, he was with, with the Nets, he was never setting the world on fire defensively, but he was way more serviceable defensively with the Nets than he was with the Pacers. And defense, defense I really consider to be you plus the guys that are around you. Yes. So obviously guards there there are way too many guards in the NBA that can beat anybody off the dribble. It doesn't matter how good you are defensively. Anybody. But once you beat your man off the dribble, who's there to help behind you? The Cavs have three seven footers that are doing that. And they have one of the best rim protectors in the league. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So I think you're gonna see Karis Levert's defense quote quote-unquote defense, be a little bit better with the Cavaliers. But the main reason why they got Karis LeVert is fit. You know, I already talked about with Jared Allen. Uh, I think his fit with Darius Garland is going to be very good. He shoots 32.3% from three, but I think he's a better spot-up shooter than he is a off-the-dribble shooter, and I think he did a lot more off-the-dribble shooting with Indiana than he will do with Cleveland because the ball is going to be in Darius Garland's hands. So I think he's going to be getting a lot of spot-up three-pointers, and I think he's much better with that. He can get to the rim. He can he can beat you off the dribble. This is a home-run trade for the Cavs, and I'm trying so hard to temper my expectations because I, I posted a poll uh, on the LOTL Twitter account that uh, basically set the expe- set the expectations for the Cavs in the playoffs. And... The options were just get to the playoffs, 
win a playoff series, conference finals, and do you think the Cavs, with the Karis LeVert trade, can get to the finals? Is that their ceiling? At this point, I wouldn't rule anything out because, again, the East doesn't have a dominant team. It doesn't, but it has probably five or six really good ones. It does. But I mean, the Eastern it, Conference— It lends the, to what could be a really interesting playoffs. 100%. Right from the first round. It's like you said, there is no favorite, but there once you get out of that first round, that Eastern Conference is going to be a meat grinder in the sure. playoffs. Sure, yeah, the West, the West, the West is a lot more top-heavy. In the West, you got Phoenix, you got Golden State. Those are probably the two teams that are probably going to meet in the Western Conference Finals, and then whoever wins is probably going to the Finals. Probably. I mean, you got Memphis, the Cavs, and nineteen, but like or the yeah. East, you could see the Heat coming out of the East. You could see uh, the Bucks coming out of the East. You could see the Seventy Sixers coming out of the East. You could see the Cavs coming out of the East. You could see. I'm forgetting somebody. 76ers. I said them. 76ers. Okay. Who else is Bulls. in there? Bulls. That's another one. Bulls are actually my, at the beginning of the year, were my pick. I I think the Bulls are fantastic. They've just, and, they've had a, uh, a few injuries. And it's funny that you mention all this because, again, if you look at the standings right now, the Heat are first, the Bucks second, the Bulls third, the Cavaliers fourth, the 76ers fifth, the Raptors have actually moved to the sixth. I was at a very prominent Excellent Mexican restaurant, uh, Fiesta Jalapenos. Very last, nice. Uh, last Thursday night, and North, North I Olmstead? saw something on Sports Was that North, Center. Is that North Olmstead? Uh, North Richville. North Richville. Yeah. And I saw something on Sports Center that just nearly blew my mind. Mm. Caesar's Sportsbook, their favorites. They listed their favorites uh, to win the NBA title. They didn't have Phoenix. Mm. At number one, at number one, they did not have Phoenix. They mm. did not have Golden State. Mm. They did not have Chicago. They did not have Miami. They did not have Milwaukee. Don't even. They had the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, that's that as the bad. number their odds-on favorite to win the NBA title. When was this? This was last Thursday night. Mm. Yeah, they are seventh yeah. in the Eastern Conference. They've lost eight or nine in a row. They're two and eight in their last ten. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I. I, I think. Anthony texted back saying that they think that Kyrie will be cleared to play in all games and that that just magically is going well, to the make big, them like better than all these other teams. Well, the big thing with the Nets right now and why I refute that those odds and why I would I would hammer uh I would fade that I would fade those odds out of the blue or out of the freaking world is James Harden's quitting on the Nets right now. He oh, want, oh he, I'm shocked. He wants to be traded. Now, who knows if that's going to happen? I think the trade deadline is uh, Thursday, maybe. I don't know. I could be wrong. But, yeah, I don't think Thursday before All Star break? I think so. I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I don't see it. I just don't see it. I mean, when was the last time Kyrie Irving, I'd say nothing of James Harden, but when was the last time Kyrie Irving was really relevant in the NBA? As far as his play on the court? Yeah. It's been a few years. Not this year, that's for sure. Um, I mean, the big thing with them is Kevin Durant's health. He's been out the last few weeks. That's why they've gone on this incredible skid. God, talk about all guys that I pretty much dislike, especially yeah. Durant. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I But I definitely wouldn't. That's why I didn't name them when I was going off of the East favorites. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I don't think so. I will say, though, that – you know, could you imagine if they were like the eight seed and they got all their guys healthy and engaged? And whoever like, whoever lands whoever is the one, one seed, oh my god, 
That'd be well. Now here's the thing: if it looked like they were going to land number, well, I know they have this little playing tournament thing yeah. now, but like, yeah. if it looked like they were going to land seven or if they were going to land number eight, you would have the teams at the top of the conference probably Losing. tanking yeah. in, the, in the final week to avoid number one. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, because who would you rather face, the Knicks or the Nets, <laughs> in the first round? Well. The Knicks are probably not going to make the playoffs. They're twenty-four and thirty, but oh, yeah, so the what's the Celtics so, are, on, are in on, that on. spot right now. So sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> as as Stephen A. Smith would say, one of the five most annoying people in sports: the New York Knicks. Why? Cause they stink. That's why. <laughs> not just last uh. year, not just this year, not just the year before, but the decade before and the decade before that. My God. Well, give the Knicks credit. They made the playoffs last year. They just they lost to the the Hawks. Did they win a game? Uh, I believe they did. Yeah. Oh, wow. I think they did. One That's or two. their ceiling. Yeah. But no. Back to your original question. What is the what it, do I think the ceiling for the Cavs is? Yeah. And I'll give you the results. Or what I, what what my expectation is? My expectation, based on what I'm seeing right now, and based What's... on the move they just made, is win a playoff series. Okay. I think they should get to the playoffs. I think, you know, they'll come up against <laughs> Philly or Toronto, Brooklyn, or Chicago, some, somewhere in there. I don't think it'll be Miami or Milwaukee. I think they will finish top two. See, but here's my thing. This is why I'm saying I'm trying I, so you hard. You beat one of those teams, that means that you're legit. Yeah. And this is why I'm saying I'm trying so hard to temper my expectations is um, before the trade, uh, my my expectation was for the Cavs to win a playoff series. After this trade, when the Cavs get healthy, I want to say they can go to the finals. I mean, to be completely honest with you, I, I know the East is going to be a meat grinder. They could. But I'm going to say conference finals. That's what I voted in the poll. Okay. And that was that was the selection that won. Um, so that would be they win against two of those teams and then yeah. lose to a third in the conference final. Yeah. Which, when you, when you think about that scenario – if indeed Miami, let's just say for sake of argument that Miami and Milwaukee are a top two, you probably be win, win against one of those teams, lose against the other. These are your last two representatives in the finals from the Eastern Conference. These are teams that are going to be much more playoff experience, more battle tested than the Cavaliers. So it, you wouldn't fancy the Cavaliers' chances necessarily against either one of them. Of course, if they come into the end of the season like on a 16 out of 20 wins or something like that, then, you know, all bets are off. Right. No, I, I completely agree. Um, yeah, so it, it's going to be interesting. And the Cavs might not be done making moves. I've heard I've heard they've, they're have they looking at possibly bringing another ball handler. Uh, I know the rumors are out there. Dennis Schroeder uh, could be a guy that's brought in. Uh, I don't know. I think you have Dennis Schroeder already and Rajon Rondo. I don't know how much Rajon Rondo has left, but... He's, Not much. But he's always better in the playoffs than he is in the regular season. He always is. I mean, that's why he got the Going n- back to his days in Boston. That's that why he was, got the nickname Playoff Rondo. Yep. Yeah. And then he won the championship two years ago with the Lakers, doing the exact mm-hmm. same thing. So, speaking, and, he, and he had a double-double the other speaking night. Speaking of the Lakers, oh, they're, they not, they're not in the playoffs either. No, they're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, Ninth in the West. Yeah, they're about to give Russell, Will, Russell Westbrook the uh, the John Wall treatment, basically pay him to just not even show up. Could you? I can't believe that that is ending the way it is. I cannot believe that. Well, wow. I mean, Russell Wilson hasn't been good for the last few years. Russell um, Wilson hasn't been good Russell for the last Russell few years. Westbrook. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh God. 
Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't follow the Lakers very much. I just see like this their reaction on Twitter. But yeah, yeah that's uh, that's interesting. Who knows? Hey, LeBron James is a free agent uh, after next year. <clears throat> interesting. Interesting. Hmm. So, in the super amazing fantasy scenario where instead of a Super Bowl this year, we, which we didn't get, we get an NBA Finals instead. What are the odds we end up against the Warriors again? Oh, God. <laughs> you just said it was probably one out of two. True. <laughs> I don't want to play the Warriors again. I mean, Phoenix. You really want to have another loss to the Warriors in the finals? No. No. I don't want to have another loss in the finals, period. Well, but, true. Yeah. But if it's going to be would be better if it would be against Phoenix or Memphis? I mean, yeah, probably, because neither one how of those teams fun, ever won the, the how title. How much fun, and the NBA would absolutely loathe this, how much fun would a Memphis-Cleveland fi- NBA Finals be? Oh, my gosh. Evan Mobley, John Morant. I mean, this, would, this would be, this would be a, a young, you know, budding superstars, like, dream kind of a Finals. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Again. I mean, just look at the point guard matchup: John Moran against Darius Garland, both <laughs> two all stars. You got the rookie of the year and Evan Mobley uh, going up against um, um, shoot, what's his name? Oh gosh, he was like the number two pick a couple years ago. I, you know what? I can't remember the guy's name either. Jaron Jackson or something like that. I can't remember his first name. Jared or Jaron? Jalen? Jaron? I don't know. Sorry, I apologize to all you Grizzlies fans that are listening to this podcast. But I will say. Um, yeah, that'd be amazing. But we'll talk about that as we get farther along. Uh, Jaron Jackson. Jaron we Jackson. About. Yes. Okay, yeah. And they have a few other players who are really good. I mean, you know, John Morant gets well-deserved, gets a lot of the credit for that team. That's a really good team. Mm-hmm. Really good team. They have a really good center, too. I can't remember his name. They're playing, by the way, they're they're playing the – I love their – their, their uh, <laughs> arena is nicknamed the Grindhouse. Yep. Uh they're playing the Clippers, and that, goes, and that goes back to the Zach Randolph days. Yeah, they're playing the Clippers right now. They're winning one twenty-eight to ninety-nine. Yeah, in the fourth quarter. Well, <laughs> the the Clippers are playing the rest of the season without Kawhi Leonard and without Paul George, so they're they're DOA. They're dead on arrival. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, All Star Weekend. Oh, we also got to talk about All Star Weekend. Jared Allen completely snubbed. Snubbed. Oh, terrible. He didn't get named originally and then wasn't named an injury replacement. Darius Garland got in. Congratulations to Darius Garland. Um, the Cavs will be featured in the skills challenge. The NBA is is changing up the – this is really weird. So they're going with a team, a family, and rookies. There's three teams in the uh, skills challenge. Okay. The team is the host team, Cleveland. So Darius Garland, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley will be in the skills competition. For a team Cleveland. Mm-hmm. The, the second team is the Adetokounmpo family. Uh, Alex, Thanis, and Giannis. Interesting. They're a team. And then there's the rookie teams, which is Cade Cunningham, Scotty Barnes, and I can't remember the third guy. It's not Evan Mobley, obviously. this is obviously. the competition where they dribble around the dummies yeah. and they have to make the chess pass and the bounce Yeah, pass. this is for All-Star Saturday night. Yeah. yeah. Now, what I will say... And I am absolutely. I have been pounding the table for this, and I am absolutely up in arms in this. Kevin Love was not named to the three-point competition, and I, I think that is an absolute am travesty. Furious about this travesty. That is just ridiculous that they travesty. did not. I mean, what? It. 
so obviously the NBA, whoever selects these guys, didn't even think he was on the fringe because if Kevin Love's on the fringe, the damn All Star games in Cleveland, he's if he's in. on the fringe, he's in. Yeah, he is in. So th- in their eyes, he wasn't even on the bubble. <sighs> he's shooting over forty percent from three this year. How is he not on the bubble? I don't understand. I I do not understand it at all. Not even a little bit. And then the dunk contest. I mean, whatever. I I know Jalen Green from Houston is is in there, but I don't know who else is in there. But I know for a fact Kevin Love's not in that. But yeah, Carl Anthony Towns made the three point competition, but not Kevin Love. I mean, what is going on? What are we doing? What are we doing? As Taylor Twelman would have said, "What are we doing?" Unbelievable. Well, on that note, uh, the Cleveland's hosting the All Star Game, uh, which we'll get into more next week, and the Cavaliers are uh, hotter than a grease fire right now. So. We shall see where that ends up. Karis LeVert most likely making his debut for the Cavaliers tomorrow night or tonight if you're listening to this uh, uh, on Wednesday when this episode will be put out. So we shall see. Uh, Darius Garland questionable. Lowry Markkinen uh, declared out. He's still ailing the uh, high ankle sprain. I would imagine they're going to keep him out till after the All-Star break. Probably. But uh, yes. Darius. But I, I do believe that Darius Garland's going to play in the All-Star game, so I, I, I think he's going to play tomorrow night and get a few games back uh, before then. So we hopefully we'll see our new backcourt of Darius Garland and Karis LeVert uh, tomorrow night, and we shall see how that goes. So I think that's pretty much going to do it for us tonight. I think so. Gone a little bit long tonight, but we had a lot to talk about. We talked a lot more Soccer than I thought we were going that to. Serie A discussion was. Hell yeah, I'll talk Serie A every week. Nobody wants to hear it, but I'll talk it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so that's going to do it for us this week. Appreciate you guys listening. Episode 197 of Living Off the Land. You can follow us on social media at the LOTL podcast. And uh, for Stephen, I'm Dan. We will talk to you guys next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.